<laughs> okay, our scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 through 35. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, I've been on social media a lot lately, trying to connect with people, seeing what other churches are doing during this time, and in some ways just trying to distract myself from the mounting to-do list that I'm not really sure how to do right now. And one post this week really made me laugh. It said, I had not intended to give this much up for Lent. I feel that way. But in doing the research for this sermon, the next in our series on the disciple Simon Peter, I began to realize that what we expect and what we intend very rarely line up with what will be. I'm sure many of you in the last week of your life found that nothing was like you thought it would be or intended it to be. And I'm sure that in the coming weeks, there will be a lot of uncertainty as well, but it's okay. It turns out the disciple Simon Peter also faced this. He also had a moment in his life where nothing was like what he thought it would be, including himself. We are entering into the final week of Jesus' life uh, where we are in, in our series on Simon Peter. However, we're going to focus on the events that have to do with Simon Peter because our series is looking at him. Simon Peter had traveled with Jesus to Jerusalem, and upon their arrival into Jerusalem, people were waving palm branches and crying out to Jesus, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna roughly translates to deliver us now. And there was a very real sense that people believed Jesus to be the Messiah and that he was now entering Jerusalem to do what the Messiah had been prophesied to do, to save the people of Israel. This was the moment and spirits were high. And I'm sure that Simon Peter's spirits were high in that moment as well. He was someone who had put a lot of faith in the Messiah and believing that Jesus was the Messiah. And for the next few days, Jesus taught a lot in the temple. And he really didn't mince his words while he was doing it. He was drawing the attention of the religious officials, not in a good way. And tensions were beginning to run high. It was the Passover celebration coming up. And this is one of the largest uh, celebrations in, Jewish, in the Jewish calendar. And so there were many people. The city was full. And it was on Thursday of that week that Jesus sent Simon Peter, among others, to get the place ready to have a meal together. At this point, the disciples didn't know that this would be their last meal with Jesus, what we know as the Last Supper. 
Everything was prepared in an upper room, and as was custom, there was a bucket for washing one's feet at the door. Sometimes the owner of a house would have a servant available to wash people's feet as a sign of hospitality, but if there wasn't a servant available, they would leave a bucket and towel by the door, and either people would wash their own feet or someone would take up the job and do it. But you'll notice in the story, if you read through the gospel narratives on this night, none of the disciples stopped and washed their feet. Each one of them walked into the room and passed the bucket to clean their feet. Maybe they thought that if they grabbed the towel that they would be stuck washing everyone's feet, and that was just too demeaning of a job. And I get the sense that this might actually be why, because we learned the disciples had been talking amongst themselves, trying to figure out who would be Jesus' right-hand man when he came into power as the Messiah. You see, they were all concerned with power and position. So none of them wanted to be caught up with the most demeaning job. You know, even Simon Peter doesn't stop to grab the towel and basin. But Jesus did. And he began to wash their feet, and I'm sure all of them are embarrassed because all of them. Jesus was the most important person, and definitely the one person who should not have had to do that job. And it was Simon Peter who blurts out, no, you will not wash my feet. Like, this is not okay. This is not what should be going on. But Jesus tells him that he must wash his feet, or Peter will have no part with him. So then Simon Peter does this 180, as he usually does, and says, Jesus, wash everything then. But he says, Jesus says that's not necessary, only he needs to wash the feet. Jesus was teaching Simon Peter and the rest of the disciples an important lesson about us as Christians and the nature of the church. We must serve one another. If there is something that needs to be done, then we should do it out of love and humble service. In the church, we should never say, well, you know, that's not my job. That should never happen. The disciples looked at that bucket and thought they were too important to serve each other. But Jesus showed them that the nature of the kingdom of God is in service. But the night had only just begun. Jesus then tells the disciples that they will all desert him that very night. They don't believe him. After all they had been through, why would they desert him now? And Simon Peter, as usual, is the most vocal, saying, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Simon Peter has accepted that the others might actually, in fact, desert Jesus because, you know, they are weak and Simon is faithful and true. At least that's how he sees himself. But Jesus says that even Simon Peter will desert him and deny even knowing him. Not once, not twice, but three times that very night. Simon Peter, again, is not gonna accept this. He doubles down. Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. You know, the others are quick to agree with Simon Peter. So we have the intention. Jesus has put it all out there. Tonight's gonna be a rough night. And by tomorrow, none of you will be with me anymore. All of the disciples protest, saying that they are faithful and they are true, and that they're going to follow him even to death. They intend to prove Jesus wrong in this matter. But as the night goes on, they all begin to fail. Jesus 
asked Simon Peter and John to go and pray with him in the garden and three different times when Jesus comes to check on them they fall asleep while Jesus is praying we know that Judas betrays Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and after that most of the disciples scatter as Jesus is arrested so much for remaining faithful even though they scatter two of the disciples follow Jesus to the court of the high priest although they're doing it in the shadows they are afraid but they haven't fully given up on Jesus or their own discipleship and while Jesus is inside they draw close enough so they can be warmed by the fire and it is here where all the people who have it out for Jesus are gathered that Simon Peter and another disciple wait they are in the lion's den at this point in three different times someone recognizes them and each time Peter denies that he knows Jesus denies that he was one of Jesus disciples and on the third time the rooster crows and Peter is reminded of the words of Jesus earlier that night and he runs away weeping bitterly in the matter of hours Simon Peter has gone from professing the kind of faith that would face death for Jesus to denying that he even knows Jesus that's a pretty big switch how does that even happen I think I might know Simon Peter's whole world crumbled beneath him that night. You have to remember that Simon Peter was sure that Jesus was the Messiah. He had just confessed as much in Caesarea Philippi that we talked about last week, and Jesus affirmed that confession. But Simon Peter's idea of the Messiah was so different than who Jesus was. The Messiah would come to Jerusalem to overthrow the government. Everything seemed to point to that in Simon Peter's head, the parade earlier in the week, people using palm branches, which were commonly used when rebels would have victory. Uh, Jesus brash teaching at the temple throughout the week, him throwing over the money changers tables. They all seemed to point to Jesus who was gonna overthrow the government. But then tonight everything changed. Jesus took them to the garden and he was praying so hard that he was sweating blood. Judas betrayed Jesus to the Jewish authorities. Jesus was arrested. This, this wasn't the plan. This wasn't what Simon Peter signed up for. What if, what if he was wrong? What if he had wasted the last three years of his life? What if Jesus wasn't everything Simon Peter thought he was? What if all this had been a mistake? I'm sure these thoughts were swirling in his mind as he stared into that fire, trying to make sense of what just happened and that Jesus might really die. Simon Peter's days of following Jesus around the countryside were over and things seemingly had taken a drastic turn for the worse. I have some compassion for Simon Peter in this moment because in so many ways, I've been experiencing my own shift in my calling and ministry. You know, when someone answers a call into ministry, they probably have some picture in their mind of what God is calling them to do, what ministry will be like, and so on. And I went to seminary, and I was trained on how to preach and how to lead worship, how to preside over the sacraments, and, and so on. 
I went to school last year to learn more about how to manage the church, financials, volunteers, organizational types of things. But even after all of that, there are things we are facing now that I just wasn't trained for. And in the last couple of weeks, my whole ministry world has been crumbling a little. No in-person worship, no meetings, everything online. You know, this isn't what I signed up for. And like Peter, I felt like I had lost solid footing. I had lamented that this was my lot. Why did I have to be a pastor now? You know, I look back and think they had it so much easier 30, 40, 50 years ago. But now all the rules are changing, and it feels like sometimes there aren't rules anymore. But with God, there is always a but when we talk about the negative things. But just because Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's intentions did not hold, just because Simon Peter failed at who he thought he was going to be, he did exactly what Jesus knew he would do. And this failure, although monumental in the eyes of Simon Peter, would not define Simon Peter in the eyes of Jesus. Jesus knew all of this was coming, and he still chose Simon Peter to be the foundation on which he would build his church. Even though Simon Peter couldn't see it yet, this one failure wasn't the end of the story. All that Simon Peter experienced with Jesus up until this point, and all he was experiencing this night, and all that he would experience would be the necessary tools he would need to be the first leader of the church. As I was rereading this passage, I also began to understand that things are changing at a rapid pace for us right now in the world and in the church. And I wrote down all of the things that were causing me to worry. And I had a realization. God called me knowing all this would happen. God put me in Beersford knowing I would be here when COVID-19 happened. This may not be what I thought ministry was going to be like. But God called me because things would be changing, not in spite of it. And that gave me comfort. I may not know immediately how to best handle things, but remember there's always a but. <laughs> but God has called me because things, things would be okay. God has equipped me with the gifts and graces and most importantly, resources for ministry. And with your help, we will continue to be the church no matter what we face. And so if you are like Simon Peter this morning, a little dazed at all the things that are changing so rapidly and nothing like you expected, if you feel that you have lost solid footing and you're tempted to react out of fear, stop for a moment and remember that God sees beyond what we see. This might be the precursor to something great, and we just have to make it through the night and accept the grace that God gives us new each morning. If you are struggling, you are not alone. When it seems that the things we put our trust in are failing, maybe it's because our trust wasn't where it should have been. Simon Peter had to let go 
of his ideas about how the Messiah was going to save Israel. That was a really hard thing to do. And maybe we need to let go of some of our own expectations of how the church, how the world, how our jobs are going to be so that we can be a part of what God is doing. And remember, for everything that is changing, there are things that will never change. God is faithful, always. We are called to love and serve one another, always. Have you reached out to someone in the church? Maybe give the person who has, uh, that you have their footprint, give them a call this week. We are called to share our faith always. We are called to be disciples of Jesus, always. So build yourself a solid foundation on these things. And the next time the world throws you a curveball, it won't be such a scary thing. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for understanding that we will fall short at times, that we will let fear get the best of us, that we will stumble, but that you love us more than that. As our children's book shared with us, God loves you more than the mistakes that we make. And we see that in Simon Peter. He stumbled greatly, but he also proved to be exactly who Jesus needed him to be. So help us see beyond our fear to what God is calling us. Help us to let go of the things that we had put so much faith in, so much um, investment in, and help us to invest in what is truly eternal, which is you. Help us to be open to what ministry and what being a disciple of Jesus looks like in this time. Help us to say yes to the things we can say yes to and help us to say no when that is what we need to do. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus.